it meant going through the feelings of shame while being witnessed by someone, um, which was, you know, I, I think there's different ways, you know, some medicine you can do on your own. I think when there, there's a, a feeling of shame connected in, it, mm-hmm. it's so helpful to, to be witnessed by someone and have them not judge or not walk away. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, it. Uh... Hey there, beautiful. This is Anneke and you are listening to the Original Medicines podcast in which we look for usual and unusual medicines for mental health. In this podcast, you can expect conversations about life and death through stories, mystical experiences, critical questions and sometimes silence where deeper layers of our existence can be unraveled where we can find gems of insight and clues for healing. I investigate the relationship with each other as humans and with our inner parts and the earth with the aim of better understanding of the transformation in which we collectively find ourselves. Today's guest is Emma. I have known Emma for quite some years now And I know that she is the right person to open up a very beautiful and for some terrifying topic, the dark night of the soul. Welcome, Emma. How have you been doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm going through the journey um, and just really, really delighted to be here with you. Normally, I'm the one on the other side of the the podcast microphone. So uh, it's lovely to be a guest here with you. And as you were speaking there and describing your podcast, I was getting goosebumps. I was really resonating with your, I love your approach. I love, I love the way you shine your light. So um, I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. And uh, this is exactly uh, how I feel when I, uh, when I listen to you or um, when I'm reading what you're doing and we known each other for quite some years, so we've seen each other's development, which is very cool, I think, to see that. Mm-hmm. And um, now for also for the preparation for this podcast, I've been looking again at what you're doing. I'm like, oh my God, Emma, this is so beautiful. I'm really so excited for who you are and what you're bringing into the world. Uh, to start, I would like, um, I would like to to see like what are the intentions and um, yeah, how, well, how is this for you? What is your deepest intention in this meeting? Um, yeah, can you share something? Mm. Well, you, when you sent through some questions earlier, it was very, very quick. What came to mind for me there was um, to inspire and reassure in equal measure. For me, you know, for any of this journey, um, I need both. Inspiration without reassurance can sometimes trigger me and it feels too far away. But that authentic story of somebody who I can see doing something beautiful or creative, and they share the backstory, the process, the, the kind of 
the swan's feet underneath. Um, for me, that that just really hits the spot, and um, that's what I hope today. And I also, when you when you asked that question just now, what came into mind was, I also want to celebrate myself. Mm. You know, that's not something that I've always found so easy, but um, I. I feel like it's time. It's time that we celebrate ourselves and each other. So, um, so both of and all of those things, I, I, I intend for this conversation. Wow, that is so beautiful. And yeah, let's uh, let's go for the celebration here. I love that. That's uh, very inspirational for now. And um, yeah, and when we are moving further in our lives and in our work that we are doing. So. Starting with, um, yeah, just here now, you, your name. Where does your name come from? Are you uh, named after someone? The, the story I usually say about my name is that, my, well, my name's Emma, and I was born in 1978 in the United Kingdom. And... Uh, in 1977, Emma was the most common name. So I often, what I've often said is, um, I've, you know, I've got one of the most common names in the UK for that time. And I was just slightly after, you know, I was just slightly behind the trend. Um, so that, that was a kind of the, the funny story. And generally anywhere you go around here, you, you find another Emma of, in my generation anyway. Um, so yeah, I was born in the United Kingdom. Do you want me to keep going just now? Sure, into flow sure, into the family sure. situation. I've thought about my story on a number of occasions. So actually, one time very specifically in, in um, response to some work that you had been doing. I think you, um, you, you really got people reflecting on their story and, and the markers and the people in it. But also in terms of presenting myself out to the world and what I have to offer, and kind of I guess in relation to that name being very common, I feel like my story and our my family situation was not nothing massively extraordinary, nothing that really kind of made you stand out from the the kind of mainstream um, in this country, and I think that's. For me, that that is part of what makes it makes my story is that it is so common in so many ways. But there's a lot about my story that is kind of extraordinary or or extreme, um, and it's a it's arisen from from that kind of mainstream culture, that mainstream setting that I grew up in, where I I, I grew up in. Northeast Scotland in Aberdeen, which was the kind of capital of the oil industry in this country. And my mum and dad moved from the south of England up to the northeast of Scotland just before I was born. So when my mum had her first child, she was miles away from her own family, mm -hmm. which now as a mum myself, I'm like, whoa, you know, that this was a big thing. Um, so she she had her her first child without the support of her family around her, um, and in a completely new setting, a new setting where she you know she would identify as English. We were in Scotland, and there was still sort of antagonism between Scotland and England. And while it wasn't like 
you know, huge racism. There was um, definite negative feedback from around having English people around. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's an awful lot I could say about my family setting that I've now learnt has played quite a big part or had a big impact on my life. But I, like one of the main things is I was born almost two months premature and then taken away from my mum very quickly, put into a, a kind of a hospital incubator and had very little contact with her for the first few weeks of life. And it's, an, and it's much more recently, just in the last few years, I've realised what an impact that had, that I didn't properly attach to my mum, mm. um, which now, with that knowledge shining it back on life, I recognise that, um, you know, the importance of that, of the, the mother space in a child's life being that first safe that safe place that a, mm. a child comes back to and that not having been there had a massive impact on my nervous system mm. so um I don't know I could I could keep talking about about the the family situation it let me know if you want to come in or if you're happy for me to yeah yeah, keep going. yeah. and um like the, you you mentioned this uh like these first uh these these first um moments on earth eh, in your living uh, mm. living outside of the womb not uh, being connected to your mother and you do say it has an impact on your nervous system when did you realize that and how did you realize that i think from training through through some of the training i became more and more aware mm. of that the impact of our caregivers on the development of our nervous system. So I, I, and I came to understand it mentally that that kind of experience would have a big impact on you. And I remember speaking about it with other people. This has been a big part of my journey is mm. I go and do training or studying to find out about things that will help other people. And then a bit later on, I'm like, oh, oh, that's relevant to me. Aha. Mm, yeah. So um, it was after I became aware generally of the impact of those early months or years on our, our system, mm. I then actually, the way that it, the way that I became, you know, much more embodily, bodily aware of the impact on me was actually through singing lessons that I was doing with someone who paid significant attention to the my diaphragm and the way I was mm. using my lower belly. Now I'd done a lot of work on this, you know, through a lot of yoga training, a lot of yoga teaching practice. So I kind of thought I was quite connected into my body at that point, but through trying to breathe in a way that let my voice come out uh. clearly, I started having all these memories back of birth and of um, of, it just became really obvious, like, oh my goodness, I was born before my system was ready to breathe. And then, oh. and then also just like the, the difficulty I found to make a clear, authentic expression 
either just saying who I am or singing or just asking, just asking for something I want or need in a direct way. You know, all of all of that started to emerge in a very bodily way um, following those those singing lessons. And um, yeah, it's, then it's kind of taken a while to, to start to ease into the, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's, you know, that pa the pattern's been completely dissolved and mm -hmm. it's clear now, but I'm aware of it much more. Oh, this um, is so beautiful what you're saying. Eh? So actually singing um, was like a medicine for you. What kind of impacts had singing on you and... Again, that's been a journey. I started before before that instance. Um, that was one to one singing with somebody, and prior to that, I um, joined a community choir with someone who I know is very. He, he holds a really safe space, so mm -hmm. that started to kind of slowly open up. Um, it, that helped me remove a lot of the shame. You know, a big part of what I found and what we we work with within the group free community is like that impact of shame and how you know I guess the, the imprint that's left in a child a young child who's you know perhaps in an incubator making making a sound for help that's not answered and then that that puts that that infant nervous system into the freeze response and then you know the the threat here. You know I'm not being listened to. I go quiet now. Now I'm now I'm trying to look really small, and how the the emotional tone of shame gets attached to that, and mm. then how difficult any any time I tried to use my voice, it would it would bring up that that feeling of that same nervous system reaction and and the feelings of shame. So in terms of it being a medicine, I by that point, the, one of the reasons that I I chose to do singing lessons was because, well, I want I wanted to be able to be ex express myself, mm. and I recognised that um, we can use anything as medicine, mm -hmm. and that like the impact on my voice having you know having it being so closed down that actually I was going to need to do something. That, that that was connected to using my voice in order to you know to find a medicine mm. um so it was i mean i like i love the word medicine and it can mean so many different things can't mm. it but it you know is uncomfortable it, it meant going through it meant going through the feelings of shame while being witnessed by someone um which was you know the, i I think there's different ways, you know, some medicine you can do on your own. I think when the, there's a, a feeling of shame connected in, mm. it, it's so helpful to, to be witnessed by someone and have them not judge or not walk away. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. it was so beautiful. And I, I, loved, I love what you say, I wanted to be able to express myself. So it's very powerful how you articulate that, that you wanted this. I wanted mm. to be able. And I think this, uh, this level of consciousness and that you are not only realizing there's pattern, but also getting more clear, like where the patterns are and where might 
they be rooted like we're not always sure like we just discovered things in uh, in our lives and we are also kind of guessing like you know what what could it be and then you're gonna like figure things out by trying trying things on and sometimes you feel like yeah definitely i'm hitting a button here this is definitely uh, i'm onto something right and seems like you and your voice and the connection to uh well to your like like infant life it's very beautiful how you managed to find these connections and also how you are managing to work with that and work through it and having this very clear statement this is what i want it it means a lot i for me like it means that you have this insight you have this clarity and actually you're there to take responsibility for it like this is what i want means i'm taking responsibility for whatever i am yeah i'm, I'm not like finger pointing to anybody but this is the pattern i'm noticing and this is what i want i want to work right. through this yeah well, that's where the freedom comes, doesn't it? Um, and and a lot, you know, a lot of the work I've done with you has has helped shine a light back on on that awareness and that process, and um, coming to the point where you start to feel safe enough mm. with whatever patterns you see in yourself, mm. and with the process is so important. Um, I remember coming to you for some work when it just felt there was things that I was seeing within me that um, it just did not feel, it didn't feel safe enough to show anyone, you know, um, it, it felt like the level of anxiety, the level of reactivity, I, I, what, what, what I started to kind of piece it into was that I felt like a, a herd animal, mm. the, a kind of weak member of the herd. And that if I was to show you, if I was to show anyone that I was going to be, I was going to be pushed out of the herd. I was going to be left behind, you know, the herd would be off doing their, mm. going to the next place, doing their thing. Um, it, and a lot of, you know, that, that was, it was kind of unconscious. A lot of that was unconscious. Um, mm. but. But it's, I started to become more aware of, of well, what is it? Why why can't I show anyone? Because I remember you asking, why? Why why are you so scared still now? What is unsafe now about your life? And and really then digging deep into into that. Um, and I think that, that that early birth experience, along with a lot of others in my body and also, I've found, you know, that in previous generations, I was holding on to things it was that trapped, that trapped freeze, that trapped shame. Um, it just really needed a lot of holding, a lot yeah. of, a lot of holding and, and tiny little steps to dare to show someone else. And then, and then when you realize, and this is one of the biggest messages that the trauma lens has given me, you know, beyond, I think beyond, you know, a lot of the yoga training and all of that, where I, every, you know, I come back and I'm like, wow, the answers were all there. But something about the trauma lens puts such a level of clarity. Mm -hmm. And for me, 
around understanding what shame is you know that it that it is that stuck freeze that i'm trying to be so small here that the predator doesn't see me mm. mean that i then become free of the the actual story that the shame's telling me mm. you know the shame's telling me that I, I i can't show you this but then when i just see it as a story i'm like okay well, i can i could i could try here but this the, the thing with the like the birth thing it was so pre-verbal so physical like i would be in that singing lesson being asked to to copy the sound to to produce it back and i'd be kind of like a, a normal person kind of walking into the lesson or like two minutes before being asked and then like literally that expectation mm-hmm. of speak and my my body just went into like uh, you know i could feel it i could feel it tensing up and the like just not having that that freedom to move my my diaphragm or anything in the the way it wanted and it was such an obvious um example and experience that showed how clearly you know in a moment i could go into that trigger and and you know I, my ears are not working the same my eyes are different my my body is different mm. and those are yeah. also of course also skill that you've learned over time to recognize yeah. this and to notice this and maybe even to mm. feel these things right yeah, yeah yeah what a what a beautiful um, um explanation of your experience and it, i think it makes things very clear um and um and um yeah i'm very i'm very happy that you found ways out where you were feeling safe enough i love that word as well safe enough like we're looking for safety and sometimes it's just safe enough to dare courageously make little steps or bigger steps and um and sometimes we we are choosing and sometimes we're not even choosing but life is just choosing for you right yeah thank you for sharing your experience so so clearly and sometimes uh, we can choose to um, like to to look at our patterns and to to work with those and um, have if we feel safe enough and sometimes ready or not (laughs) but off we go right so if i say the dark night of the soul, then what do you say? <laughs> well, the first thing that came to mind was a chuckle. And, um, you know, now I'm absolutely delighted by the idea of the dark night of the soul, because it would have been like the dark years of the soul for me. Mm-hmm. So I think my understanding of it has changed so radically that that now when something comes up, when something's triggered in me, unconsciously says, I mean, just say we we said that the dark night of the soul is a kind of unconscious triggering of some experience that's trapped within you. Um, to be able to move through that in a night or less now for me is an absolute gift. Mm-hmm. I would say like, you know, a, a big, part of my early life was like the like dark years of the soul um, and the different ways that I learned to cope with 
constantly living in a body that was triggered. Um, I guess, you know, I developed a, a personality over the top that sometimes I could kind of manage and I would be um, either trying really hard at life or managing my life in such a way and preventing certain kinds of experiences that, that triggered me. Um, and I'd, I ended up with, you know, a fairly limited life in, in a lot of ways at, at different times in my life. Um, you know, I would, I, I would say I'd had dark years or nights of the souls in my kind of early 30s where I was like looking around and going, I'm not getting into the kind of relationship that I would like to be getting into. I'm not able to make a family. Um, and, the, you know, there was there was times there where I would be either really stuck in that feeling or avoiding that feeling um, for for long periods of time and right right back into my kind of 20s and, and teenage years um, that was going on. I was I, I was pretty triggered a lot of the time and stuck in those triggers. There, there wasn't really a, a flow to my life. Um, and how did that express itself in those times? Lots of different ways. I guess, you know, early, early on, I think even in childhood, I, I, my mum would probably say now that I, I developed quite an avoidant, you know, I, I, I was quite masterful at avoiding, um, <clears throat> I didn't do singing lessons when I was a kid. I, mm. I avoided a lot of activities, um, and I'd have, I'd have times where I kind of isolated. It was, I found it challenging to be around other people. Um, and in teenage years, it would, you know, I, I guess it was most obvious was expression or symptom was around food, um, like bulimic um, behaviors. And that then that became, you know, alcohol and drugs came into the, the picture as my way of coping, you know, my way of coping to be around other people, which then grew arms and legs in itself because then I couldn't put the substances down. And I ended up in psychiatric hospital. Um, so there was like diagnosis then of, of depression, food disorders. And actually, when it came to diagnosis of addiction that was my own my own nobody nobody else put that on me i found a, a kind of healing environment in the, the the 12 step community and i owned that that was and that was this that was a, a kind of quite a pivotal moment um in i guess starting to look at patterns um you know there was a, a kind of quite a clear lens that was offered within that environment and and that helped me start to um put down different behaviors but it, it only got so far in and then later on um even though i'd put down alcohol and drugs and i was i had a much different relationship with food there was still a lot of um anxiety and reactivity and, and issues with um relationships and mm. actually what happened in that environment was some of my early family experience got triggered re-triggered 
within the relationships that I was having as an adult. Um, and that's when I started to really learn. It was actually at that time that, that deep shame got triggered because I got um, like feedback I got from other people was kind of quite negative and it, um, I, I just was so triggered into this absolute shame. I felt like this horrific person that was still mm. um, behaving in certain ways that were called selfish. And, and then I started to learn about trauma and go, okay, oh, wow, this is what's been going on. And oh my goodness, it's not all my fault. It's not all my fault. And that started to shine this amazing light. And I think that then for me, the passion around understanding trauma and sharing it with others became huge. Um, so yeah, that that was, um, I guess, yeah, that, that kind of trigger in adulthood really kick-started a movement there and then also <clears throat> becoming a mum mm. and the, the, the triggers that, that that brings up. Um, for me, um, another huge motivation, yeah. I would love to hear uh, more about that, but I would also like to uh, step a little bit back to this 12-step um, plan mm -hmm. or the, the, the Minnesota model. It's, it's all, I don't know if you call it the 12 steps or the Minnesota model. But the, if you can you explain a little bit about these steps and what they mean to you and um, how this connects also to the dark night of the soul as um, uh, like as you trans if you translate this as um, like like losing grip to with with everything even. Uh, with God or with you know anything like um, because I I also see that in the 12 steps if you work through the steps on top of there is something about like consciousness of God or how do you want to call it there's something about connecting with this element which is an important part of the healing process I think do you see there? Do you see that like this, uh, yeah. the, the the like the fact that we might feel completely left alone, even by whatever consciousness or God or whatever you believe in, and how the twelve steps, uh, you know, is connect. I think connection is very important, plays a very important there, but even connecting to like a spiritual part within yourself, because this also what I hear all these years working with so many different people that I hear people talk about that. And for some people, this is a very beautiful, enlightening moment in their lives, or they rediscover God, or they discover, or at least something to lean into, which is bigger than themselves. Or for some people, it's very triggering. Like They're like, I'm not religious, I don't want to go there. So I know, I know of this part in the 12 steps, and how does this relate to the losing this kind of uh, support, bigger support, uh, when you meet this dark night of the soul. You know what I, mm -hmm. what I mean? I think so. I th um, I'll, I'll start speaking and we'll, we'll see if, I, if I've got what you're meaning. But um, <clears throat> I think at the time, finding, 
finding that environment, that 12 step environment came about because I'd hit such a dark place. It, again, it wasn't, it wasn't in terms of where I'd been, it wasn't the worst situation I'd been in, but I, I had gotten to a point where I was, I'd lost hope. I'd been working so hard to try and change patterns. And whatever happened, I kept going back into this dark place. And that, you know, my, the behaviors I developed to survive didn't let me live. They, they, they isolated me so much. They, um, you know, the collateral damage of needing to survive at all cost when you don't actually have to anymore, you know, that's a big, a big, big bunch of retrospect hindsight, being able to look, but, um, yeah, so it, it completely disconnects you from, from yourself, from your authentic voice, from your, from relationships, from being able to actually connect with anyone else. Um, to connect with anything meaningful, with any meaningful purpose in life. It, you know, I was just left surviving, surviving the, the feelings inside, the imprints, the triggers, the shame. Um, and something in that, well, you know, funnily enough, I, you know, I studied anthropology and picked that up at the, around the same time that I was I got into the 12 step and I, I did my dissertation on, on the healing process and environment there. So I really, I looked into it, um, a lot and I think, you know, massive, massive, um, factors that they, they really get right in that environment are sharing your story and having, having similar stories with the similar experiences that were felt shameful expressed and modeled around you started to bring the defenses down around the shame um so being able to reframe you know hearing other people's experiences and starting to be able to reframe your own story now in terms of in that model at that time anyway uh, uh, you know the, the word disease and it not being your fault um they were they're massive parts and then this whole idea of kind of yeah putting your hands up and saying this this is beating me in the in the first step and not having to try on your own anymore and then starting to pick pick out well what is something what is something i can connect to now what is something i can put a bit of hope into or try and create a bit of faith around and you hear a lot, you know, lots of people have different journeys with that. And I've experienced a bit of both. I've experienced the reassurance of starting to find this idea of something bigger than me and, and the relationships, you know, maybe, maybe something bigger than me is just the fact that if I, here's someone I've met, here's one of my, my close friends now who I know has a similar experience and I can tell her how I'm feeling. That's, that's bigger than me. It's bigger than what I had before. Mm, so, you know, it can beautiful. be, it was quite tangible. It could be quite tangible, that connection, or it could become quite um, expansive and mm. depending on what felt less threatening, I guess, you know, at times it was a bit less threatening to try and connect with a, 
a big concept, an idea of God mm -hmm. than it was to connect with another human being beside me. At other times it was, I couldn't, I couldn't reach that big concept or that big experience, but I could speak to somebody else. Um, oh, yeah, that, is, uh, that is beautiful. And then going from, you know, going to, to from speaking with somebody else or another person next to you, um, maybe even broader, you know, a concept or of nature or God or consciousness yeah. or whatever. And um, did you uh, or could you describe a little bit your path that that you go here into yourself? <laughs> I mean, the the path from external other per human to maybe uh, mm -hmm. even like a bigger energy than that. I don't know if it yeah. can even be bigger energy. <laughs> But yeah, just to, to create a path, pathway there a yeah. little bit. It's a, and it's a pathway. I mean, I got into recovery in that 12-step environment in 2004. So we're now 2023, right? So it's, it's most of 20 years. <clears throat> and it's been a, you know, that path has been ongoing um, in, in various, in very, oh, in so many ways. Um, it's, maybe a few steps forward and a few steps back, you know, mm. um, so the, the times where, uh, there was times where I could talk the talk of coming, of trusting something and a lot, you know, and now what I understand is, uh, you know, with trauma, we disconnect so much from our body. You've been living your life in a body that is triggered and uncomfortable it's in high alert all the time so you've you're flipped out and i was absolutely living in my head so i could i could talk the talk of a higher power or a connection to god or even relationships with other people way before i could actually put a lot of that into practice and I didn't even know at times when I was putting it into practice or not. Um, and I, you know, there was time, I, I remember having a um, step three of the 12 steps is around making a decision to turn your will and your life over to this higher power, to, mm. to surrender your, your personal will. And I, I found that really hard. You know, like internally, I had a, a lot of resistance to that, um, you know, to what to to just to just doing service or to like to just to trust or to ask i would just forget to ask to ask for guidance or ask for help um so a, a lot of the path was making a lot of the same mistakes and finding myself sitting there again kind of going Phew okay <laughs> let's write let's do some more writing here let's reflect a bit more what's what's going on and then and then it was also like bringing in yoga um the the study and the practice the training and finding something that started to make my bodily experience different at times as well um and the journey with 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 working out a, a a yoga practice that worked for me has has been you know as long you know 
because I, there was all these different kinds of yoga and there was ashtangi yoga and they, these people looked like they were like really hardcore and they were doing amazing stuff and I would be trying to do it and my body would just be trying to avoid any kind of trigger so finding an approach that was quite personal and gentle and yet you know mildly challenging and being able to stick with a teacher who was starting to get closer into some of these places within me that didn't want to be seen that that you know absolutely just did not want to be seen which i didn't you know i didn't have the awareness of at that time i you know i i, I was just kind of people would get so close and i'd be mm. pushing them away or or you know different different tactics but um i where somewhere along the line, I started to learn about the pace um, and not, you know, what I would often do is feel like I, I would want, I, I wanted so badly to, to heal from what was going on inside. I wanted so badly to, to find a new kind of quality of life or experience that I would, I'd be pushing myself into situations that were just too far beyond. They weren't, they weren't in my, they weren't anywhere I could feel safe and they weren't even on my edge of where I might just learn to grow a bit here. I would just push myself way out into the wilderness in different activities, whether it was in a yoga practice or in relationships or life in general. Mm -hmm. Um, so starting to learn, okay, what, what are the, what's a way of, of creating a kind of gentle, supportive holding practice for me that then also lets me start to take little challenging steps. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's been, there's been a fair amount of self exploration, self led kind of guidance that maybe took me and a lot of detours and, and meandering and slowly then opening up a little bit and enough to other people to let their light come back in and, and make suggestions. Um, and some of those suggestions have come from you, you know, um, you know, having, having some mentorship sessions with you or, or um, therapeutic sessions um, and slowly, slowly learning to let, you know, a few trusted people in that that have helped me really kind of work out right what's going on and um, and find your your own rhythm i my own rhythm yeah, yeah it's your own rhythm like there is always a rhythm but finding and connecting to your rhythm to your natural rhythm to your nature to yeah. nature and i find it uh, this is also a place where where our interests are heavily meeting nature mm -hmm. and yeah. permaculture uh, the more i learn about uh, permaculture and nature the more i see how this connects to my own being and our our beings as human beings and the the more we are able to let ourselves be and uh, trust that nature will find the rhythm but you know, yeah, you yeah. need to feel safe enough to, uh, yeah, to, to let to let yourself be and um, 
and also what I find beautiful in uh, like in 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 natural world is everything that pops up is there for a reason and even though we don't like it so much or we didn't plan it or it's uh, you know like the, the some plants are you know they're hurting your fingers if you touch them but they're there because maybe the roots are very strong and they are plowing the earth for another uh, you know for another plant or something else that's coming up so i think that's very beautiful so to mm -hmm. to learn and to be inspired by nature and how yeah. how nature is catching up with the rhythms and realizing that we're nature too Mm -hmm. Did, how was oh, nature a massive part of mine yeah yeah how was this, this for you well alongside um studying yoga i've done a lot of shamanic work and yeah studying permaculture and, and anthropology and they all kind of came in together um to start to you know I, i see patterns a lot so sharing the patterns between the different approaches you know and noticing the different ways that they, they would frame something. Um, and, a, you know, some really helpful experiences for me were, were out in nature, were being guided to reconnect. Um, and in a way, I guess, you know, we spoke about how you can have dark nights of the soul that are unconscious, or you can, you can choose. You can choose some kind of conscious experience or ceremony. <clears throat> to help you and I, I went and did a vision quest where you spend three or four nights out in nature and I wasn't entirely sure what the experience was about or what it was going to be but essentially it's a kind of sitting practice sitting mm -hmm. sitting meditation but outside in nature <clears throat> when you you set your intention and, and what you're looking to get clear on and and in that experience meditation became something completely different it was something completely different to meditate out in nature and be gifted insights by the world around you than it was to sit in a room um and yeah some of the clarity and the insights that came through in that that period of time which you know it was it was about you know it was about flow and it was about But you've got to let yourself rest here. You're, you're, um, you know, when you're on that survival mode, um, you're, you're kind of constantly going. But I was really shown very powerfully out there by, by nature and by the energy. Like, you, you, you need to rest long enough until you're actually guided by that inner impulse to come back up and start moving. Um, And that, I think that's something that, that trauma really robs you of, isn't it? Is your flow, your rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, totally. Your, I think it's, it's Peter Levine that, that describes it as, um, you know, trauma leaves you, your, your nervous system hijacked. You're, you're constantly being hijacked by your nervous system. So your, your rhythm now is like, go, go, urgent, urgent, keep going, keep going, mm -hmm. do, and some more, and some more. Um, and then collapse maybe because you just can't keep going. But but being really shown um, gracefully, kind of, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> just, things are becoming a little more graceful now. There's still still some uh, 
uh, rigidity or, or but but like the like I don't know when you know how many years ago it was to start really connecting more with nature but that again that's another it's just been another huge asset and ally in the in the toolkit and getting to know plants like we spoke about um when you started to speak about bringing nature in there you know a massive a, a massive so, you know sometimes you just need to hear a story right and it mm-hmm. it hits something really deep inside that you just goes whoa and stories are you, total medicine absolutely and this this one was just about how you know I mean, that example of the herd, you know, feeling like a herd animal that was weak and getting kicked out of the herd. You know, my understanding is like as our nervous system developed, as we started moving about the planet and our, our environment became more unpredictable, we, we developed this nervous system to help us react and move quickly. Um, but as far as I'm aware, generally plants don't have that nervous system. Um, I'm not entirely sure of all the biology of all of this, but <laughs> I, you know, as I'm as I clear through the trauma, and I, I I still experience the world absolutely in a human way, but I'm I'm also more and more able to remember life from different consciousnesses and and remember life from plant consciousness. So this this story that was saying, you know, animals, we've you know. Along along the journey of animal development and human development, we've got that experience trapped and caught within us of not wanting to get left behind by the pack. So we we hide away, we hide away things that make us look weak or, or shameful. But plants, they turn their weakness, their sensitivity into flowers. Yeah. They actually, they actually you know, open them out and show them to the world. And they, the, you know, then the, the, the pollinators come and the, you know, they, they use it as a way of attracting life. And something in that story really helped me to reframe all this stuff that had felt so shameful um, and and be able to come out and just say, look, this is, this is, this is who I am. Mm. These are some of my, these are some of my weaknesses, my, what felt like failings or um, sensitivities or um, um, oh. all of it was all of it was trying to survive. But and if I show you, and the more I do that now, the more I the more I attracts. The more I, like, <laughs> the more it attracts, and I'm like, wow! And it heals. You know, who knew? You know, all these things that you hear. Vulnerability is our biggest um, superpower, or whatever, and, and you hear it, but the more and more you let it sink into your nervous system and you start living it, um, then it really has the, the ability to, to change and heal all our experience. I, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Like the, the shift and the change mm-hmm. that can come. And it was so beautiful story, what you're telling here. And we have, a, we have a nerve system and we have a system in place where we can actually feel ashamed for our imperfections but flowers i i don't know maybe maybe they do but i don't think so i don't think they they feel ashamed they you know i think that's where plants help me so much because they don't like when i when i when i work with plants now and you get into that consciousness 
there isn't the clutter and the confusion of a lot of you know human experience mm. or or even i mean animals as well yeah i've done work with like you know power animals or totem animals or what have you but but you know for me the plant plant life just cuts through so much of the 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 nonsense the drama it, it is it, it feels much much more clear yeah i don't think i don't think they they feel ashamed i don't think they're trying to be another plant i don't think i think there's just a clarity there and they're there and there's a diversity and they work together there is a fit there's a fit for you know every plant has a fit um mm. and they move around each other they just yeah you know so beautiful yeah then that is, that is so beautiful, and yeah, I, I love to to be out in nature and uh, what the, the experience that you were just sharing of being in nature in the meditation. That is a, a, a very beautiful example. But how how do you integrate this in your daily life? Like, I guess you're not uh, weekly on the three day um, net <laughs> nature meditation trips, no. especially as no. you know, as being a mother and having a family and a business. So how do you integrate yeah. this in your life, this wisdom? It's, I guess it's, it's just an ongoing process. We moved, we moved from the city to, we lived quite rural now, um, out in the country when I, when my daughter was about six months. And I remember thinking at the time, I wonder how long it's going to take me being out here before my way of life changes. Um, and it's, I mean, it's changing, it's changing slowly. So, so like today, today's a work day for me. Um, and it is taking time, I guess, to let go of some of the guilt of a work day. You're working in, you know, mm. and you've got your schedule, but to go out and make, you know, to, to take time out in nature. I know like going out for a walk or a run out there, um, does something powerful and, starting to learn to trust that more or more isn't always more uh, you know sometimes less work is more creative mm -hmm. or more productive um and just i guess you know making choices we're living we're living on a, a site here where we're we've set aside some some of the site for for community um activities and a community garden we're trying to be as self-sustainable as as we can but it's a big learning curve we're not we're not there um and it's i don't you know it's integrating all of this is a slow process but essentially winters look quieter than they used to i mean last year i we we, we run a a rest to rise retreat, which started in January, you know, just about letting January, February stay quiet. This year, my body was like, Hey, you know, start that in January, start it in November, <laughs> you know, like get quiet in November. I, you know, I want to be, I want to already be like, mm -hmm. um, on a different schedule than, than summer for sure. Um, so, so in terms of what we, I'm delivering business wise, um, I'm slowly not trying to fit in eight or 10 courses a year. I'm a bit more like, okay, right. 
springtime is a this this is a good time for for delivering this kind of thing summer we want to be outside you don't want to be sitting at the computer um yeah that's beautiful to connect it with the seasons and again here i feel very much in a similar way <clears throat> and yeah if we can already change this as a very simple thing like listen to what our bodies needs in the different seasons that we are mm -hmm. like in the winter spring what are the differences how much do we want to produce or create and if we're not very creative like can we rest <laughs> can we actually let yeah. ourselves rest yeah well yeah. that's and beautiful i'm very that word rest i'm sorry i think I think reframing that word rest mm. as well for me is massive because sometimes it is the most creative thing you can do, isn't it? Mm. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious. Like I'm I'm a very visual person, so I'm imagining you're living uh where you're living is a little bit hilly with old rocks and trees. I don't know, it's just because I've been in only in Ireland. I've never yeah, been in your area, is. but I saw how you know in ireland i had a feeling as if it was like 100 year back in time mm. it can kind of be like that here in a, in in lots of ways we're we're in the northeast of scotland which has one of the most ancient geology and culture so in this area we've got like the most phenomenal amount of stone circles where you can, you know, you can really go and really connect very instantly with, um, you know, ancient um, human life that that was way more connected to the, you know, the seasons, the energy, the astrology, mm. and we've also got like some of the most horrific forestry practices you know around where they've just chopped everything down and um, so it's very agricultural um but yeah i mean and it and it gets dark here in winter you know mm. like I, I can't think exactly what line we're on compared to the netherlands mm. but um you know this time of year really you know between sort of nine and three is your daylight hours if you don't get outside for a, a decent amount of time during the day, you, 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 know, you, you missed it for that day. You <laughs> missed it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so then back into the dark night, a lot of dark nights there. Lot, uh, well, winter. Yeah. I mean, it really is a time to, to let yourself and the gifts of letting ourselves go into our ancestry, mm. I think are so huge. Cause what, I mean, a big part of what I've learned is that, I mean, I, I, I would say I had a dark night of the soul in terms of sitting with shame that lasted mm. for like three or four years. And I was sat there going, all right, how long do I need to sit with you? How long, you know, didn't seem to matter what I did. And then and then I was sitting there going, where, where are you coming from? And it was like, boom. And my dad's mom came in. I was like, oh, this isn't mine. Mm. This is not all mine. This is not all mine. And I sat and I let my my maternal grandmother cry and express the shame she'd felt of having a child taken away from her. And and you oh, can't no. do that 
unless you unless you allow space and time in your life when we when we just keep going mm. when, we're, when we're when we're just still going and still surviving and and running from the shame or you know going on the the keeping on the productive hamster wheel um we don't mm. let it through this is very that's very beautiful eh? there is another medicine to to be found also like the the pearls of the recognition and learning about your history and maybe through the generations and uh, actually um, allowing the, the the pains or the trauma that went through the history to be you know to be alive as well or be there as well so There is something very interesting, I think, in this dark night of the soul or crises or difficulties or shame in our lives where we want to push it away and we want to get rid of it as soon as we can. But there is something there is. Yeah, this I find very interesting. There there could be inter in or there could be medicine within the dark night of yeah, the yeah, soul. Yeah. Well, if you can if you can stay in the darkness long enough to find the light. Because that yeah. is, I mean, that's the a big part of this lesson, isn't it? That of how the universe works is there cannot be. We cannot feel joy without feeling grief. Mm. We cannot feel expansion without retraction. You can't. You you you. It's it's all here for a purpose. And when mm. the more we learn to stay and hold the feelings the more our perspective can grow mm. so that we can see it we can we can see it more for what it is and we can allow we can allow mm. all of it all of it because we need all of it and but, the but, question is what do we need what do we need in order to be able to stay there and um yeah it's not about feeling safe but it's about some it's about something else i think I don't know. I guess there's, there's. I mean, I hear different people have different feelings or or understandings around the word safe, and I think. I think the word safe for me works, because of the understanding I have. But maybe for other people it would be resilience or or what have you. But. Um, or to feel safe, feeling unsafe. Mm. If there's a word for that, you know, it's to 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 hold to hold the the human nervous system doing its thing mm. when it doesn't feel safe um yeah for me that's it's been a it's a process that it has grown over time mm. um and to, to put different frames on it or different perspectives so that you're not you're not bypassing any of it mm. you know it's it's not it's not no one's or I'm not sitting here saying this human experience is all you, you can get to a certain point where it's all comfortable now and even you, you know that's not the pain's not real once 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 you've got a big enough perspective you know no loss is real nothing that's that's actually true can be broken or whatever you know on the human level it can it can hurt and it can it's messy and it's um 
and at the same time as having that you can you can hold it in a in a perspective that allows you to flow through and not mm. get stuck so that it can be a dark night rather than a dark week or month or year oh, yeah. or life exactly that's it huh? it can be a dark night instead of a dark life and if we look back to uh, like the polyvagal theory and our nerve system I see kind of um, like a blending there in the the red and the green, like it's mm. both uh, the same branch, of course. It's the same time. It's yeah. the same. So uh, you know, if I I see that a lot of people are stuck in um, in fight and flight. I see some people are stuck in the freeze, and I realized recently, like a lot of what I what I know and uh, all my. Uh, inspirations are coming through working with people and with my my own nerve system but also working with other people and I realized recently which was a very um, beautiful <laughs> like um, um, uh, eureka moment for myself is that I've always seen um, this polyvagal theory and this system as a linear thing so it's a green mm -hmm. orange red like line linear thing But now I've seen it in a circular. I All of a sudden it clicked for me. It's not linear, it's circular. So if you're in the red zone, let's say, in the dorsal vagal area, and you go deeper and deeper, it gets more red and more red. It gets pitch dark, pitch dark, and then green again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When you stay with it. Yep. Exactly. When you stay with it long enough. And then realizing it's all, the, it's all the same thing. Once you realize that actually the dark and the light is the same thing, it's just the yeah. other side of the coin. And recently, um, also, or recently, a little while ago, I saw a video of Alan Watts and how he was explaining the yin-yang sign. And I, I like it so much how he, is, uh, how he was saying that actually the, the white dot in the middle of the black... It needs the black to exist even, you know, mm -hmm. and the other way around. So, yeah, it, it's not like the one part is eating up the other parts because nothing is going to be eaten. It's just there and it's yeah, it yeah, will yeah. be just there. But you need to, to define the one, you need the other. So to give yeah. a definition, to see it, to, to bring it into existence, actually, you need the other part so you need a light to bring the dark in, in into the existence and you need the dark to bring the light into the existence but our yeah. beautiful uh, human brain <laughs> does not accept that so we want just the light we want the the cupcakes and the unicorns and the rainbows and <laughs> and when things are difficult we push it away and it's it's normal i think but i think it's very important to realize um uh, yeah, to to realize it a little bit uh, deeper that you know there is more to uh, yeah there's there's gems to be found in the darkness mm -hmm. and I think I think we were supposed to get to the point where where we we pushed it away so quickly we we were we were supposed to get to the, this point of separation you know the forgetting the f forgetting our universal connection mm -hmm. um it was supposed to get this dark in a way um 
we were blind, like remembering it, searching, Rem blind, mm -hmm. like confused, lost souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until we remember again, indeed. Yeah, and re remembering is beautiful, and I think that's that's is such a key when when you when you come to to really know the process and trust it, mm -hmm. so that. When you're going into the the dark, I mean, there's still times where I I go into it and I'm I'm reactive, but it's never quite without. It's not, I don't never have a candle or you know I there's there's a different there's a different relationship with it now where it's not it's not completely unconscious, mm. um and coming back and and remembering. When when you've experienced such a lot of darkness or, or grief or loss or shame to come back and then experience joy and connection is amazing it's like mm. it's like double the prize maybe i don't know, you know. and also this way being able to uh, to meet other people who are struggling and you know finding uh, or looking looking for that somebody who is their reflection uh, person who is there just safe enough uh, kind of um, space holder that's very mm. beautiful and I'm very uh, I'm very happy that to to see what the work what is the work that you're doing these days and very very beautiful how you are like journeying journeying. <laughs> through life and um and creating your your business even also around it and the community work you're doing is is very very beautiful and um i was reading and i'm just curious if this fits because it made me very curious i was reading uh uh that, that you were writing about the, the ewoks <laughs> I'm not sure how this, uh, what what this means for you, and how it maybe connects to this topic. But um, you wrote that the Ewoks, uh, Ewoks, who helped the Rebel Alliance defeat the Galactic Empire in Star Wars, and uh, I'm curious if it, if this, yeah, why this is important for you, and how it connects to this story. I think it. It kind of it fits into like the whole approach we've set up is it recognizes um, that this is a cyclical process, you know, whether it's recovering from trauma or just growing as a human being is this cyclical process. And in the grow free approach, we've we've kind of identified a, a number of phases. It's definitely not linear, but um, so one of them is about education and observation, coming to understand the you know trauma and learning how to observe yourself. But the, the next one that I've written down is around activation, having having different qualities or experiences or consciousnesses activated within you. The, the next step is practice, but you can only practice something that's been activated. I'm sure yoga must speak about it, but I'm not sure what words they put on it. Um, and it relates back to the kind of like the new our neurobiology of um, you know the mirror neurons, how uh, you know just the way a mother is with its child is activating. It, it's 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 giving an experience because we then mirror what we're 
presented with, we get a taste of, of what that is. So if, if we've got a really anxious mother, we're going to be given a taste of, of anxiety. Mm. We've got a very calm, mm -hmm. uh, flowing mother. We're going to be given a taste of, of that calm, flowingness. Um, but that, that whole sense of, of something being activated really made me think about, you know, fictional stories and characters and, you know, wherever they come from, whether it's yogic um, deities, whatever, whatever visualization or, or, or character. <laughs> yeah. And Star Wars, this was um, so I, I loved the I, I remember watching that film as a kid and the Ewoks just activated something in me you know mm -hmm. and it was a longing it was a longing for this like a forest living community um so there was some I, I kind of wanted to to bring them into this event that we were doing because fiction's not just fiction it act it physically it activates something within us that, that we can then give back to the world and and i just loved something in those ewoks but you know they they were they're very primitive they used primitive technology but they were holding really big hearts mm. um, and there was there was just something very like I, I loved something in that that example of this grounded forest community and I, I i basically that's what i want to develop you know I'm, I'm okay i'm trying to run a business and make a living for my family and but i really just want to develop you a forest community why come and live with me you know come and live with me come and you know come and uh, come and create this like forest playground and we'll, we'll talk to the plants and grow things and um, sing it. together I would definitely, uh, I'm not sure if I want to live there, but I would definitely want to, want to visit you there and talk yeah. with the plants and sing together. Definitely, yeah. I would love to do this. So we're heading towards an end of this, um, this show today. Um, Jack, this is connected to the work that you're doing um, right now these, in these days. Can you share a little bit more uh, about where people can find you? Um, the yeah what what kind of work people can do with mm -hmm. you so well essentially we're, we're, uh, we're called i'm called grow free with emma b or or grow free is the the kind of the the, the approach and the material and we have the grow free community which is our our kind of community organization that delivers um the, the peer support we we put in place because a big part of what we believe here is that you know once we all know and trust the process we can hold each other through it um and, you know there's a space for qualified therapy but there's a big space for um community um so we've got yeah a, a bunch of resources and um and a program that kind of sets out the 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 process that is the same for all of us, wherever it comes from, wherever we've observed it across different traditions, we're not putting, it's not about just yoga. It's about, you know, identifying what the, the main steps are, <clears throat> the different practices and, and tools and how we can integrate um, those past experiences. And then, you know, anyone can take that map and then go through our courses. So we've got 
we've got courses, we've got, you know, weekly peer support sessions. I do monthly closure circle to support people to get into their early attachment or ancestral experiences and, and start to let them go. Um, so the, and the, probably the best way to, to find me is um, at community.grow-free.com. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, the Grow Free YouTube channel, and hopefully 2024 will be, we'll get a bit more kind of um, strategic with that. Um, but it's a, a lot of online work. So wherever you are in the world, you can you can access a lot of what we, what we do. And then in summer, you can come and find us in our, our community forest garden and come and play. So I will definitely would like to come and play or bring my daughter and mm. love to see you and your family there. And thank you so much. I will definitely put the link to you under this recording. And uh, I hope that many people will find you online or in person. I totally recommend all the work that you're doing because I really find you're such a beautiful woman. And I believe that everything that comes through through your body is yeah, it's it's so pure. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I love it. So thank you for, for being in this conversation. <clears throat> and also thank you for doing this work. And like I said, I see a lot of similarities in uh, your work and the work I'm doing. And I think the more people, the more people are, are stepping into their authentic self and creating from there, like th there is never enough uh, blooming flowers in the world i mean there's yeah. never enough seeds to share and to spread and let's see how we can inter interwine our gardens of uh, growth and freedom and beauty together and absolutely i love uh, to be a wildflower with you in that garden so thank you once more for being there and Thank you also, everybody who's listening to this podcast, the Original Medicines podcast, in which I alone or with a guest look for the usual and unusual medicines for mental health. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues in your social networks to help me grow this podcast too. Till next time.